Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Caleb was a man of faith that waited 45 years to claim his promise from God. He had not forgotten one word of it. All that time he had wholly followed after God, and now he was seeing God's faithfulness come to pass. Cheryl's message titled, Waiting on the Promises of God. You see, when you wholly follow the Lord, you have a wholly different perspective on everything. You see the gift and the greatness of what God wants to give you. But those who don't wholly follow the Lord, they put the responsibility on themselves. And therefore, they only see all the problems all the deterrence to getting into the promises of God. When Joshua and Caleb heard these men, they tore their clothes and they spoke to the congregation. The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. You see, the emphasis of faith of those who wholly follow the Lord is on delighting God on the goodness of his gift, his power, and his presence. It's dependent on God to give me this promise, not on my strength, not on my fortitude, not even on the right circumstances, the right finances. The detractors made the heart of the people melt People wept. They no longer believed God's promise. That was the effect of the detractors. The people wanted to die. Oh, why didn't you just let us die in Egypt or the wilderness? The people were angry with Moses. They talked about choosing a new leader and returning to Egypt. And then they picked up stones to stone Joshua and Caleb for their good report. That's anger. They're like, we don't want to hear about the promises of God. We don't want to hear about delighting God. We are angry that there's work ahead. We're angry that we have to fight, that we have to face these giants before we can get the land. They had more faith in the words of eight grumpy men, eight fearful, faithless spies, than in the God who promised them the land. And because their faith was in the word of grumpy, faithless, fearful men, they had more faith in giants than God's word. 
More faith in fortified cities than in the power of God. More faith in the enemies than in the presence of the almighty God. Even though they all agreed the land was good, it's a good promise. It's a good promise. You see, there are believers right now that will say it's a good promise, but it's just not for me. Just like I told you about that commentator I read, it's, it's a great promise that Jesus will calm your storm. But did God really say it to you? All scripture is given for, by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction and correction and righteousness. All of it is claimable. All scripture. That would be 2 Timothy 3.16. Only Joshua and Caleb believed that God would bring them in. Their criteria for receiving and claiming the land was simply if we delight in the Lord. If we just follow the Lord, here's, here's what we need to do to have this land. We just have to follow the Lord's instructions. That's all. We have to walk in obedience and listen to him and he'll give it to us. Whereas the eight spies, the people of Israel measured the obstacles against their strength rather than measuring the obstacles against the power of God's word and promise. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. At that time, God forbid the rest of the generation of Israel from entering into his promised land. Instead, their children would inherit it. Caleb would inherit it. Numbers 14, 24. And God calls him my servant, Caleb. He says he's got a different, a unique, distinguished spirit from everyone else. He follows me wholly. He will come into the land he went. He will inherit it. Numbers 14.30, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in, but your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised, because the children of Israel refused to follow the Lord. Their lives were cursed to wander in the wilderness, live without the fulfillment of promise, bear the burden of their infidelity. You know, honestly, if you can't claim the promises of God, your Christianity is going to be just a meandering through the wilderness. If there is no promise to claim, if there is no treasure up ahead, if you can't pray and count on God to fulfill his promises, then life is really fruitless. And just meandering. But if you claim and if you hold on to the promise of God, as Caleb did now, 45 years later, Caleb is ready to lay claim to the promise of God. He has not forgotten one word of God's promise to him. God promised him the land his foot trod, which was Hebron. The land where the spy saw the giants. The land he traveled through 45 years previously. He has not forgotten that God said, I'll give it to you as an inheritance, a gift dependent on the giver. It is to be for him and for his children and his children's children. This is part of holy following the Lord. Caleb valued the promise of God so much that if you said, hey, Caleb, you got a promise from God? Well, yes, he could tell you where he was when he received it, the situation at the time, the way the others felt. His feelings when he heard it, who said it or confirmed it to him, exactly what the promise was. Can you do that? 
Can you do that? Can you say, this is how old I was. This is the day. This was the circumstance. And this is word for word what the Lord spoke to me. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help you. Still remember, four years old, in my bed, sounding out those words and laying claim to that promise and sticking my hand outside my cover saying, okay, hold it, hold it, because it's dark in here. And he's held it ever since. Caleb held fast to the promise of God and this made him a standout. Philippians 2, 14, 16 tells us that those who hold fast to the word of God will be standouts in this generation. This is what Philippians Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 14 through 16, do all things without murmuring and disputing, without questioning the word of God, without questioning the promise that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Caleb held fast to the word of life, the word of God, the word of promise. And this made him distinct from his generation. Caleb believed the promise of God, even when others doubted it and denied it. Even when the Israelites were going to stone him, he still held fast to the promise of God. He believed in it and he believed in God's power to fulfill the promise more than the power of the giants, more than the fortresses, more than the enemies, more than the fortified armies and raiders, more than the detractors, more than the disappointments, more than the delays. He continued to believe the promise of God. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. Caleb had not been afraid then, and he wasn't afraid now. God was greater than the forces against the promise. Caleb wanted the promise. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Do you want the promises of God? Do you want them? Do you want them? You know, I asked someone the other day, they're going through a horrific situation. I said, what promise has God given you? I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? I mean, the first thing I do is, oh, God, speak to me about this situation. Speak to me about, give me a promise. And I put my hand on that promise. I raise my other hand and I say, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, be it to me according to your word. Be it to me according to your word. Here's your word. Here's your promise. I'm your maidservant. You connect the two. Be it to me according to your word. We need to lay claim. You know, you have not because you ask not. You might not have any promises. Have you ever thought about asking for a promise? When you're reading, God, give me a promise. We pray for divine appointments. Why not pray for the promises of God? God, I need a word about this situation. I need a promise. I need something I can hold fast to right now. I do. I put, I put a secret code there that I know what those letters mean. But then two years later, I forget what those letters mean. I'm trying to figure out what those letters meant at the time. I put a date. I put a date in there. I have a friend, Rose, and she had heard someone say, uh, I think it was Emily Barnes, that every time she read through a Bible, she, she already determined who she was going to give it to. She prayed about, who is this Bible going to go to when I finish? She would spend a year to five years in that Bible. And she would write their name on promises and the date that she prayed it over them. 
And she started with first her daughter, praying those promises, and then she gave it to her daughter as an inheritance and said, here is the word of God and all the promises of God, and they have been prayed over for you. Can you imagine getting a gift like that? My dad one time gave me one of his old Bibles and said, if I die, you can probably get some money on eBay for this. Thanks, Dad. Maybe I'll keep it as a heritage forever. But the the promises of God. Uh, And then Emily Barnes did one for her son. And then she began to do it for her grandchildren. And my friend Rose did that and laid claim to the promises for her son, for her daughter, and now for her grandson. We can do this. But you have not because you ask not. You, You see the mountain go, well, there's the mountain. And I remember seeing it years ago. It's a big mountain, but there are those giants too. No, ask for the mountain. Lord, give me the mountain. I want the mountain. I want the challenge. Lord, you know, sometimes if if the prayer seems too hard, we're like, oh, Lord, forget that one. You know, I found out a friend of mine who I absolutely adore. She has brain cancer. It looks like it's worse. And sometimes you're like, oh, Lord. And the Lord says, have you ever thought about pray for the mountain? Lord, I pray for her cleansing. I pray for her healing. I'm not going to stop praying. Pray for the mountain. What can it hurt to ask for the mountain, to pray for the mountain, to say, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. All it can do is strengthen our faith and to sustain us. Caleb was sustained by his faith. Now, I'm not saying to enter into the promise presumptuously. There was a waiting period and Caleb was willing to wait till he came right back to that promise and he knew when the time was right. The Israelites had presumptuously tried to enter the promise when the timing was off, they had been disobedient and they were repelled. But Caleb wholly followed the Lord, which meant he followed the Lord even when it meant delays and waiting. He followed God's instruction. He waited on God. Caleb was sustained by his faith, Joshua 14, 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses. And now here I am, 85 years old. The other spies had died. A whole generation except Joshua died in the wilderness. And think about this. Caleb was in the battle against Og. Caleb was in the battle against Sihon. Caleb was in the battle against Jericho. Caleb was in the second battle against Ai. Caleb was in the battle against the kings of the south. Caleb was in the battle against the kings of the north. David When he was 60, in his 60s, his men stopped letting him fight. They said, you've become a liability to us, David, because now the giants are going after you and we feel like we need to save you from the giants. But Caleb was right there, sustained, not, his faith did not diminish those 45 years, but it was strengthened. So he was ready to take down the giants, ready to fight in every battle. He says in verse 11, as yet, as yet, I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, for going out and for coming in. In Romans 
4, verses 20 through 21, we read about Caleb's great, 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 great grandpa, Abraham, who did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He's another man that had to wait years and years, given a promise. And then again, delays and detractors and deterrence and even discouragement and detours down to Egypt. We're all part of it. But he held on to the promise. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he promised he was able to perform. This is what we do while we wait. What do you do when you wait? What do you do when the promise is put off? You strengthen yourself in faith. How do you do that? You rehearse the promise. You rehearse the time. You rehearse the place. You rehearse the word. You play it over and over again, and you talk to the Lord in prayer about the promise. That's how you strengthen yourself. He was just as ready at 85 to take the mountains and drive out the giants as he had been at 40, because Caleb knew. He knew that the fulfillment of the promise rested in God and not in him. It may be that the Lord, just as he had said years ago, if the Lord delights in us, it may be that the Lord will be with me, his presence, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said, Joshua 14, 12. Caleb put the responsibility for the promise back onto God. And we're told in verse 13 of chapter 14 that Joshua blessed Caleb. That must have been so precious as one old man blesses another old man as the survivors, the survivors. It would be like being at a um, World War II vet convention. You know, these two men that both saw D-Day blessing one another. Joshua blessed his comrade. These two men were the men who saw the land, testified of the land. And just as God promised, here they are standing in the land together, having fought, having seen God's victory over and over again. I want to ask you in closing, what have you allowed to diminish your faith in God's promise? What is it? Let me ask you, do you have a promise? Do you have a promise? I remember a, a young girl came in and she said, my husband and I, our marriage is over. It's just over. What do you think? Like, you know, I, I can't even tell you the people that come and want to counsel with me and they're like, my husband's a jerk. Can I divorce him? It's like, seriously, who do you think I am? You know, and why do you think I could give you that permission? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just me. Very little me. I don't know, don't know nothing about nothing. I don't know. I don't know. So the, this girl's coming in and saying, well, you know, here's the situation. Here's another situation. Here's this, another situation. Should I divorce him? And you're like, oh my goodness. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you've probably just wasted a whole hour telling me all this because I can't tell you what to do. I don't know what to do. She goes, don't you have a word from the Lord? And I said, no, I have a lot for me, but I don't have any for you. And I said, okay, this is all I can think. <laughs> do you have a promise from God? Anything like when you, when you first saw him, you both were Christians. Did God give you any word about this marriage or promise before you married him? anything at all. And she's like, well, kind of, but I'm not sure it was really God. I said, read it to me. So she reads it to me. 
you know, she goes to the scripture, she reads it to me. And I said, so when was this? How old were you? What happened? She tells me everything. I said, girl, you have got a promise. That is a promise. No, you can't divorce that man. Absolutely not. God wants to bless your marriage. He wants to do something fantabulous. You hold on to that promise. God will fulfill it. So she said, okay, okay. So then her husband and she come in. We had this incredible talk with them. It was like amazing. The spirit of the Lord was there. And then they never came back. Never came back to see us. Brian ran into him and said, why haven't you come back? And they said, because we don't need you anymore. We're so happy. God has blessed our marriage. He's like, you know, sometimes the pastor needs to know that. Just come back. Say, thank you. It was great. We're really doing well now. We just need to know when God answers prayer, it helps our faith too. The promise. And, And she said, everything God promised, that's what we're living now. We're in it. It's happening. You know, we forget that there's a fight sometimes to the promise, that there's time to the promise. Do you have a promise? Do you value that promise? Can you remember the occasion of that promise, the date, your age, where it is in the Bible? Do you even know the address of that promise? Can you say Isaiah 40 verse 13? Can you say where it is? Or do you say, you know, somewhere in this book, Oh my goodness, how important is it to you? Because if it's important to you, if you're holding fast, you'll be able to say exactly where it is. You'll know, you'll know. Who confirmed it to you? What are the confirmations? Will you say, well, I got this promise. And then as I was walking down the street, this person said this to me and that. Do you know what it says? Have you ever looked up some of those words in Strong's and gotten the fuller meaning? Mark and date it. Put your hand on it. Raise your other hand. Look up into heaven. Quote Mary in Luke one thirty six, and say, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Have you allowed detractors? Well, really, um, I don't think you should be able to claim that. Delays, detours, distractions, disappointments, deterrence, to diminish your faith in the promise of God. Caleb's faith was unaffected by any of these realities. I'm not saying there are no detractions. There are. I'm not saying that there are no deterrence or disappointments. There are. He must have been so disappointed when he had to go back to the wilderness and leave the promise of God for 40 years. But God fulfilled it because Caleb wholly followed the Lord. That's what he decided to do. This quality made the biggest difference in his faith, and it will make a difference in your faith. This quality made a difference in the fulfillment of this promise to Caleb because he wholly followed the Lord. This promise had an effect on all those who saw Caleb. It infected them with the promise and passion of God. And so if you choose to wholly follow the Lord, hold fast to his word, you will have an effect on your whole tribe, on your family, on your generation. We can choose to wholly follow the Lord. Caleb did. 
He held fast onto God's word to him. He held fast to God's ways for him. He held fast to God's will for him because that's what it is to follow the Lord, to wholly follow the Lord. It's to put God's word above the word of anybody else. It's to put God's ways above our own ways and the ways of anybody else. It's to hold fast to God's will for us above our own will or even the will of others. It's to say, what is the will of the Lord? What does he want? We don't need to be discouraged by detractors and doubters and delays and disappointments, detours, deterrence. We can hold fast to God's word and we can pray, oh God, let us wholly follow you. God's promise is waiting. We can go back to that mountain, find the promise, put your hand on it, ask for it, ask for it. Because the responsibility of fulfilling that promise is God's, not yours. Put your faith in God, put your hand on the promise. Caleb saw God fulfill his promise because he purposed in his heart to wholly follow after the Lord. Like Caleb, we can do this today. We can hold on to God's word, putting it above our own ways and wants and gripping tightly to God, allowing his will above our own. When we do this, we invoke faith and take ourselves out of the equation and allow God to be responsible for fulfilling his promises to us. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll watch as Israel moves into their allotted lands as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.